So, Holy Spirit, pray that you would help us understand those words and what they mean for us this week. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was coming back from Cambodia in March, we had a six-hour layover in Taiwan, and you have not lived until you have spent six hours in the Taiwan airport. Let me tell you, there is absolutely nothing to do there. But they did have a Hello Kitty store. And my seven-year-old daughter loves Hello Kitty, so I went in to get her something, and but as I was at the register, one of the guys on the trip called my name, and when I turned around, he took this picture. <laughs> he thinks it's really funny, because the look on my face is like I just got caught something, doing something very bad, which in a way I had, because no man wants documented evidence that he has ever been in a Hello Kitty store. Like, this picture is a sure way to get my man card revoked. Very embarrassing. So the staff this week suggested that perhaps the caption for this picture should be, no, really, it's for my daughter. Really, honest, I do not have a Hello Kitty collection. Absolutely don't. We all get embarrassed about something from time to time. And I think that one of the things that Christians get embarrassed about is being a Christian. I remember once when I was in graduate school coming back from a Bible study, and a friend of mine asked me, where have you been? And I said, oh, to a meeting. You know, not Bible study, meeting. Have you ever done something like that? Maybe at your office or with friends, kind of hid the fact that you follow Christ, that you go to church. And sometimes I think it's, it's even a little deeper than that. It's not even with other people that we get embarrassed to follow Jesus, but sometimes I think even in our own hearts. We we, we, we're embarrassed to take our faith too far, so we sort of dampen down our passion for Jesus or dampen down the ways we follow Jesus because we just don't want to be seen as one of those Jesus freaks, even in our own heart, even to ourselves. Now the problem with that is our lives will be no bigger than our God is. So if we dampen down our God, we're going to dampen down the joy and the adventure that we can have in life. I am convinced that one of the reasons we do not experience the presence of Jesus as much as we could is because we are embarrassed to take it too far. We don't want to get too emotional. We won't, don't want to be one of those Jesus freaks who just kind of, kind of control it and don't, you know, don't let Jesus get too big. And then we complain about the fact that we don't experience his presence more. We're doing a sermon series called Bold Life on the book of 2 Timothy, which is a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a younger man that he was mentioning named Timothy. And it is all about how to have a big, bold, adventurous life. And in this passage, Paul says to Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. And it's an echo of Romans 1 where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So today I want to talk not just about how and why we can be more bold in our faith, but I want to talk about the benefits of being part of the fellowship of the unashamed and of being bold. And like I said last week, by bold, I don't mean being obnoxious. By bold, I mean being unafraid no matter what we face. Bold means having no shame in life because we know that our sins have been forgiven. Bold means going from adventure to adventure to adventure as we follow in Jesus' rescue mission to this world. By bold, I don't mean obnoxious. By bold, I mean free. But thank you. But first, I want to acknowledge that there are some good reasons that we sometimes are embarrassed about admitting that we're a Christian. And the first is this. We Christians have a PR problem, don't we? For instance, believing in Jesus in our culture is thought of as not intellectual, even though there are lots of good intellectual arguments 
for believing in Jesus. And I've given you some of those arguments in many sermons in the past, as recently as Easter, where we gave you a handout and had CDs available that went through some of those arguments for believing in Jesus. Nevertheless, that's not our image. Or we have this image of being narrow-minded and mean and uptight and judgmental kinds of people. And if we're honest, part of that is because sometimes we, or maybe no one in this room, but other Christians, right, have given us that reputation. We have a PR problem. A woman sent me a story about how when she was younger, her parents had a, had a fancy car that had this custom horn that would play various songs when you honked it. Problem was, there was a short in the horn, and so sometimes when it was cold especially, it would just go off randomly. Well, one time they were pulling up to the graveside funeral of a wealthy aunt who had just died, and as they got out of the car, the horn started to play, we're in the money. <laughs> That's a PR issue right there, right? We Christians have a PR problem, and that makes us embarrassed. Second reason we're not always bold about following Jesus is pretty clear from this text, where the Apostle Paul is in prison, about to be executed for following Jesus, and he says to Timothy, join me in suffering for the gospel. Oh, cool, could I? That sounds awesome, Paul. And that's the second reason we're not bold, suffering. Now, in our culture, we're not going to be executed for our faith, but there are social consequences, right? People might think we're dumb or look down on us. So there are some good reasons we shrink back from being bold and living out our faith. However, however, the rest of the passage goes on to talk about the benefits of being bold. It talks about why we can be bold and the good that that does us if we are bold in our faith. There's more power, more joy, more adventure, and that's what I want to spend the rest of the sermon on. The benefits of being bold and the reasons we can be bold. Paul says, I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. In other words, Paul is not ashamed because what he is asking people to follow is not Paul, it's Jesus. And here's the main point of the sermon. So if you pay attention to nothing else, focus here. Here's my main point. Our embarrassment about being Christian has nothing to do about Jesus. It's all about us. We're afraid how people are going to think about us. We're afraid how it's going to look on our reputation. But if we focus on Jesus, if it's Jesus that we point to, if it's Jesus that we are talking about, if we realize that if folks reject the message of Jesus, it's not us they're rejecting, it's Jesus, then it frees us to live bold, joyful, adventurous life. Because here's the deal. Jesus is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. That song we just said, this is our God. What other God comes from heaven to earth to rescue us? Jesus is nothing to be ashamed of. And Paul points to two reasons why that's true in this passage. And the first is, is, the first is when he says, Jesus has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to life. And that's the first reason we can be unashamed. It's also the first benefit of being unashamed. Jesus brings dead things to life. Now, I mentioned this last week, but I want to repeat it because Paul repeats it throughout this letter because to him it's a very important point. Sin comes in and it kills everything. Sin can kill our marriage, but Jesus can bring it back to life again. And I've told you a lot of stories about how he does that in this church in the past. Sin kills excitement in life, but Jesus can call us to an adventure. Sin wrecks our life, but Jesus puts them back together again. Several years ago, I went with a group of people from this church to the state penitentiary in Monroe. 
And when I was there, I heard a guy tell his story. He, he'd been put in prison for armed robbery. But as the detective was booking him, the detective said, you know, there's a better way than this. And can I tell you about Jesus? So the detective went on to talk about Jesus, and the, the, the prisoner listened and heard for the first time that God loved him, that God could transform him, and that, Jesus, that in Jesus, God himself died for him, even though he was a criminal. And he said all the guilt, all the shame for everything that he'd ever done, it just vanished because he knew that Jesus had paid the penalty for his sins, and he suddenly felt free. From there, he started following Jesus, sought to make restitution for his crimes, started uh, teaching Bible studies in the prison. I mean, he even took Hebrew so that he could know the Bible better. That's the power of God. You want to take Hebrew, right? And he says, now I have a lot of joy because even though my body is in prison, my soul is free. I am not ashamed to follow the God who can do that. That is a reason to be unashamed. It is also a benefit of being unashamed. What is it in your life that's dead? Jesus can make it live again. But not only that, Paul goes on to say in this passage that Jesus also, by the power of God, has called us to a holy life. Which is the second reason to be unashamed and the second benefit of being unashamed, and that is he changes us. You've heard me say this before. Jesus loves you just as you are, not as you should be. But he also loves us enough not to leave us the way that he found us. He transforms us. He can take a prisoner and turn him into a model of integrity. He can take someone lost in sexual brokenness and promiscuity and bring wholeness into their life. And I've told you stories from people from this church how Jesus has done that. As I've said before, Jesus makes sleepy people wake up, lukewarm people warm up, dishonest people fess up, depressed people cheer up, angry people make up, down and out people move up, gossipers shut up, and soldiers of Jesus stand up. And I am not ashamed to follow the Lord who can do all that. There is nothing to be ashamed of about Jesus. You see, we shrink back from living our faith boldly because we're worried about how it's going to reflect on us. But if we put the spotlight on Jesus, if we point to Jesus, if it's Jesus we're on about, well, then we discover his power. This week, I turned 50. When I came here, there were some people who said I wasn't old enough to be a senior pastor, so now I'm finally old enough. <laughs> and one of, our elder, one of our elders said to me this week, now maybe I'll listen to you preach now that you're 50. Now, that was very affirming, right? Well, I, I was hoping just to fly under the radar and this whole 50 thing, you know, but, you know, you know, not look a day over 49, that sort of thing, but not with the staff of this church. No, 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 no. Once a month we have a, an all-staff lunch. Well, this month it just happened to fall on the day of my birthday. So when I arrived, the entire staff was dressed in black you know, sort of for my memorial, I guess. And, you know, there were all kinds of jokes, and our music people wrote a very encouraging song to the tune of Staying Alive as though it were a miracle that I was staying alive, right? But the highlight was they made something for me. A Scott Dudley bobblehead. <laughs> okay, that is just creepy, right? I mean, that is just bizarre. That, it's just, I, I was thinking it could, maybe, it could be like the Ichiro hit counter, you know? Where you, but only in my case, it could be counting the phrases I use all the time, like that's good news and God's rescue mission, and you could just bring your bobblehead, your Dudley bobblehead, and keep count as I talk, right? Maybe keep you awake during the sermons, right? But the highlight, the most embarrassing part anyways, was when one of our young guys on staff held it up and said, hmm, a little generous with the hair on this, don't you think? <laughs> He's not working here anymore. 
serious. Today is the last day. <laughs> Jess Aldrich. Mm -hmm. The spotlight was on me the entire time. It was all in good fun, and I did feel loved in a peculiar sort of way. But that's how we approach our faith. As though the spotlight were on us, as though it were about us, it makes us timid and afraid, not just to talk about Jesus, but timid and afraid in all of life. But if we put the spotlight on Jesus, in our heart, in our actions, in what we say, it makes us bold. Because you see, when Paul says, I know whom I have believed, he's not saying that Jesus is just another self-help guru or a philosophy or, or a political ideology. He is the risen Lord who loves us and guides us and whose presence we can feel. It's a relationship, and there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. So real quick, some suggestions this week. How can we be part of the fellowship of the unashamed? Three quick things. First, connect with him deeply. Prayer, worship, scripture. Talk to him as if he's sitting next to you because he is. When you sing these songs, don't maybe just sing them mindlessly, but sing them to him as though, and see how that opens up your heart to him. Because to be unashamed starts with going deep in our relationship with Christ. Second, participate in his rescue mission. Why? Because when we do that, we see him change lives, which makes us more confident in his power, which makes us more bold. This week, let me give you three opportunities for you to do that. One would be that you could sign up to go to the Jubilee Beach auction on Friday. That's the, uh, you can sign up in the lobby. You will hear amazing stories of how Jesus is mighty to save. Or second, sign up in the lobby for the workday this summer. This is a great way to serve our community and show who Jesus is and reverse that PR problem we've got. Third, you may have noticed coming in, if you came to the lobby, we've got some posters hanging there. Here's what those posters are all about. Next week, I'm going to ask all of us to do a prayer walk. In order to be more bold, in, in order to see God do great things in our community, next Sunday, I'm going to ask you to commit to pray for seven days to a neighborhood you're choosing. Could be where you work, where you live, just a neighborhood you care about. Ask you to pray for that for seven days, and we will give you suggestions of what to pray for. And if on one of those seven days, at least, you could actually walk through that neighborhood and pray or drive through it slowly and pray specifically for the houses or the businesses in that neighborhood, that would be great. And in order for us to kind of visually see where all the prayers are going, next week we'll have a lot of large posters out there in the lobby. And before you leave, I'm going to ask you to put a red pin in the neighborhood that you're going to pray for, just to see where it's all happening. I have a friend who did this in his church in Honolulu. He said they saw miracles. That's next week. But be thinking about what neighborhood you'd like to pray for. So to be part of the fellowship of the unashamed, connect to Jesus, participate in his rescue mission, and then finally tell people about Jesus. Not in an obnoxious way, but just when it comes up, talk about what Jesus has done for you. They can argue with your arguments, but they can't argue with your experience. And we need to show who Jesus is through our actions, absolutely, but we also need to say his name. Otherwise, folks don't know what he can do. All they have is their stereotypes. This week, two people came to my office to tell me their story. One was a 66-year-old man who goes to this church. I'll call him Tom. And the other was a 21-year-old young man who I'll call Carlos. And Carlos grew up in a pretty dysfunctional home. His dad had an affair, left when he was young. They were poor. And Carlos had a lot of shame about all of this. And to compensate for that shame, and, and to try to earn respect, when Carlos became a teenager, he got involved in alcohol, drugs, a little bit of gang activity. 
One night, in order to kind of earn respect, prove he was a man, he lit some fireworks off, threw him in a church, ended up catching the church on fire. Fire department had to come, got Carlos in trouble with the law. Well, that's when he came here to Eastside Academy, the Christian school that meets here for at-risk teens. And through some of the staff at Eastside Academy, Carlos, in his words, began to see that not everyone was out to get me, and that I could maybe trust some folks, which led him to ask for a mentor. Well, that's how he met Tom, a retired man who goes to this church. And they came to my office, and Carlos was passionate to tell me how much Tom had changed his life. And as he spoke, Carlos' voice was just thick with all of this emotion. Carlos said, little by little, with Tom, he began to kind of come out of hiding. He said, most of our conversations would begin with me saying, Tom, I have something to tell you. And then he divulged one more secret, one more thing that he had done wrong. And Tom would listen, love him, correct him. One of the things Carlos felt shame over was that when he was a little kid, his family came here from Brazil, but they were undocumented. Wasn't Carlos's fault, that was his parents' decision, but he felt a lot of shame and a lot of fear. So Tom connected him with one of our Deeper Impact teams, and they were able to help Carlos get documented so that now he is in this country legally. And Carlos said it felt so good to finally be known. And he said, I felt free. And the more I told Tom about myself, the freer I felt. But then Carlos leaned forward and said, but the best thing Tom did for me wasn't all that stuff. The best thing Tom gave me was his integrity. I wanted to be a man the way that Tom was a man. He said, my father, who was supposed to teach me how to be a man, didn't teach me how to be a man, but I learned how to do it from Tom. And nobody in my family would encourage me in that. When I tried to have integrity or when I tried to study, they'd say things like, why are you even bothering with school? Just go get some kind of a job, right? But Tom encouraged me to be the kind of man I wanted to be. But then Carlos said, as time went on, I began to realize it wasn't Tom that I wanted to be. It was what was in Tom, Jesus. So I got my spiritual life together. And now I am here to tell you, Pastor, that all the hope I have, all the hope I have is because of Jesus. He said, I used to think that God was distant and angry, but Tom showed me that Jesus was different than that. Carlos said, I go to chapel at, church, uh, at school every day, and I leave just feeling so happy and so free. Carlos got baptized last week. He's involved in a local church here on the east side, and he now has a 3.6 GPA at Bellevue College. His whole life has been changed. But also, so is Tom's. I looked at Tom, and I asked him, you know, when you hear Carlos say that the best thing you gave him was integrity, how does that make you feel? And Tom said, oh, that's payday, man. <laughs> And Tom said, you know, I'm a crier. Everyone knows I'm a crier, and I have cried through this whole thing. Tom said that his relationship with Carlos was helpful because it was the kind of relationship Tom wished he had with his own son when his own son was in his 20s. And he said that Carlos has helped renew his energy and his walk with Jesus, so it goes back and forth. It's mutual. Tom is bold in how he follows Jesus, shows Jesus, talks about Jesus, and look what happened. Through him, Jesus changed a young man's life made a huge difference, not just by helping him graduate from high school and go to college, yeah, 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 all that too, but more importantly, here's a 21-year-old who is now a great, bold, godly man of integrity. That's the power of Jesus, and I don't know about you, but I am not ashamed of that. So this week, will you join the Fellowship of the Unashamed? Connect with him personally and deeply, and don't try to manage your emotions around that. Just let him be all-powerful. Participate in his rescue mission and tell people what he's done for you. 
I heard a woman, a woman recently tell a story about being in a restaurant and seeing Jim Caviezel in this restaurant who played Jesus in the movie The Passion of the Christ a couple of years ago. She got so excited, she said to her husband, oh, look, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. She said she knew it was obnoxious, but she went over to talk to him anyways, asked for an autograph, all of that. But she's from Australia, so she introduced herself and she said, hi, I'm from Australia and I loved your movie. And Caviezel said, oh, I'm so glad to hear it. You know, I mean, how is it received in Australia? Because there aren't many believers in Australia, are there? She was so rattled, she said, no, not many people do believe in Australia. That's true. <laughs> so then he went on to share the gospel with her and tell her all about Jesus. And she said, I was so excited, I didn't have the heart to tell him I was already a Christian. <laughs> but I was ready to fall to my knees, pray the sinner's prayer, and get baptized right there. I love that, both of them, full unashamed about the gospel, and rightly so. Jesus heals our wound and makes us whole, so I am not ashamed of the gospel. Jesus can make a prisoner free, even in his own jail cell, so I am not afraid, ashamed of the gospel. Jesus can transform a young man's life to the love of a retired Presbyterian. I am not ashamed of that good news. As the song we sing says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power in hell, no scheme of man can ever take me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand, and I am not ashamed of that, and I bet neither of you. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is mighty to save. Jesus can make the blind man see, the leper walk, the deaf hear, and I am not ashamed of that. I am unashamed of the gospel. So this week, will you also join the fellowship of the unashamed? So Jesus, we ask that you would help us do that. Give us courage. Give us wisdom. Make us bold and help us to follow you. Lord, help us to point to you in what we do and what we say and be part of the fellowship of the unashamed so we can have the big life that you came to give us. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.